0: The car you drive every day should be fun.
1: But it has to do the boring stuff too, like commute, be affordable, and haul your groceries.
0: You can have both, and we'll help you find it. I'm Todd.
1: I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Daily.
0: So we got a really cool message today from uh, from a trucker. And actually, we have a good number of truckers that are writing to us now. Of course you are. Yeah, Because we do. if you're driving cross-country like a trucker does... You got to focus on the road. You can't read anything. Thank God you aren't, by the way. But podcasts <laughs> are perfect. Podcasts are perfect because you're not going to get yep. bored of the same music. You can, you know, kind of dip yourself into all different ty- kinds of thought. You know, listen to politics or whatever. We're never going to talk politics here, by the way. You're all you're all in cars with Everyday Driver. But exactly. so this guy Jameson writes to us, and Jameson is from Kansas. And I also now I'm envisioning driving a 18 wheeler across Kansas, and I'm thinking. Any opportunity to distract me from that pain is good news. So Jameson has listened to all of our podcasts from the beginning, found us pretty recently, listened to all of our podcasts, and he wrote to us essentially just to say that, just to say, guys, thanks. I've listened from the beginning. And so Jameson wanted to give you a shout out tonight. And you also asked the question we're going to start the podcast with, and that is, and honestly, everybody has asked this question, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you guys have bombarded us with the same question. I need to hand it to Paul because... The question is, what do we think about the Porsche Panamera, the Sports Turismo, essentially the Panamera wagon?
1: Hello? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, Jameson, thank you so much for writing to us. We're thrilled to have you listening. I can't believe you went back to the beginning. But interestingly, many people have written and said, I went back to the beginning, and I am... A little shocked yeah, and chagrined that's and awesome. happy, but that's amazing. So thank you for well, writing this. But you to know us. what? I, this is amazing. But you know
0: what I thought about? Actually, for guys like Jameson, here's the problem though. If you've listened to our backlog of 170 whatever it is podcasts, you've been able to just go through hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and <laughs> started to get right. really used to, as right. strange as it sounds, really used to our voices. And now, of a all of a sudden, you caught up and you got to stop. And now you got to wait. And there's two a week. We're going to keep doing two a week, though, so hang in there.
1: That's funny, because you've come to a screeching halt when there's no new podcasts. There's nothing else. Exactly.
0: It's it's (laughs) binge listening. It's it's the Netflix podcast equivalent. Yeah, exactly.
1: All right. Well, jumping into the Porsche Panamera, the sport. I am looking it up here right now. I am uh, going right to some photos so I can have some reference in front of me as I dissect Mm -hmm. this thing. I am thrilled to see this, and uh, by the way, Todd and I just finished reviewing the AMG uh, 45, the GLA 45 AMG Uh against the Macan, so look forward to that, we're looking forward to sharing that as a television episode with you all, with y'all, and uh, I'm really happy to see Porsche bringing the noise to Geneva, Mm -hmm. so this is the preview of the Geneva Motor Show coming up in March 2017. Sport Turismo, man. This was previewed, I think, a couple years ago, originally. So they we've seen the yeah. shape yeah. before. Mm-hmm. But I really like the direction Porsche has gone. Of course, with the rear taillights, with the rear look to everything, I'm, I'm appreciating Porsche more. And Todd and I have had this discussion about product proliferation <laughs> and product. <laughs> the, hang planners. on. What is
0: it possible for you to appreciate Porsche more? I, I didn't know that was possible. It is. I thought we were is. already
1: there. Well, okay, keep going. Okay, all right, maybe so. And I say that because of the number of models, the differences and the trim levels notwithstanding, but the number of different models that they are now exploring mm, mm. and that this okay, has given them. Okay. The Macan, the Cayenne started it all, and then the Panamera, yeah, and then yeah, the yeah, yeah. Macan, and all these models are giving Porsche new ground and new opportunities where now we just accept it. If Porsche had come out with this Sport Turismo years ago, we would have been shocked and horrified. And I probably would have disowned Porsche thinking, what are you doing? You're so far away from the core. But these cars are the ones that sell that are useful to people. And Mm -hmm. these keep the 911s going, The, the Caymans and the 911s and the fun sports cars that we love. Not that we don't love these. But I, I'm just—I'm sure, sure. fascinated with the proliferation here, and you know there's going to be a boatload of different trim levels. And I hope for the GTS—I'm yeah. all about GTS trim level. I just—I know
0: you're now addicted to the GTS trim level. I hear you. Totally I hear you. am. It's, it's the properly factory spec version is your GTS. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah, get it. I get really it. Really is. But here's here's my thing about this, and I, and I want you to break down the styling in a minute. But but I kind of have to start you with a question because this is what's really rolling around in my
1: head. All right.
0: You know, you know, we all had to sign that contract when we became car journalists, the contract that said, I will now love all wagons. Oh, yes, You know, right. you know that contract we Mine's signed. Mine's framed yeah. on That's,
1: my office wall here.
0: Of course it is. I don't know why that, that exists, but once you start driving a ton of stuff and start thinking about what car could fill all of my life, it's these these sexy wagons. And I know that sounds weird to some people, but these sexy, sporty wagons that start to be like – I should have one of those. I mean, it's it's almost for, in my life. It's almost like the Ford Raptor. Love it's like I don't sure. need one, but I want one. <laughs> but you just I want just, it exactly. So I think this is amazing. I think this is how the Panamera should have always been. Yeah. However, yeah. However, I admit that I'm I'm a niche buyer, and I'm not actually a buyer. But 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 this is such a niche car. I actually think that hmm. generally, I mean, here, here I think about my just my family, just my life. OK, it's a car that I would buy as the family car. I absolutely would if I could afford it, except for the fact that if we're going to get a car with five seats, this f- finally is a Panamera where you can kind of pull off a fifth seat, a back middle seat. If you if you need to, you can. But it would be a perfect car in my mind for our family car, except my wife likes big ride height and thus we will only have SUVs. Oh, So yeah. then I'm going to be right. in, in a Cayenne or a Macan and not this. And I don't want to drive this as my everyday car because I want to have a family car and a fun car. So that takes me out of the sure. running. And I think mm. this is going to start conversations at home that go something like this. And I don't know if the, which side of the equation. I don't know if it's the man or the woman on either side of this because it could go either way. But somebody's going to go, we should get the Panamera wagon. And the other person in their life is going to go, I don't care if it's a Porsche. You want a wagon and it's going to die right there. <laughs>
1: uh- I think uh, they'll they'll need to see it and drive it before it dies and then it won't. Die. Uh, well,
0: but but there is that wagon perception and I think just like the e th- we saw one in in, uh, in Park City a few months ago. It was an E36 AMG wagon and we both just walked around it drooling.
1: Yeah, yeah we but,
0: did. But
1: <laughs> but it's funny.
0: incredibly rare. And those are such niche buyers and you have to be somebody that really loves wagons. You have to kind of really get it. But I think I suspect the Panamera is being outsold right now by the Cayenne and the Macan. I bet you the standard Panamera is going to outsell this 2-to-1. I love it that it exists. I think it's going to outsell it 2-to-1, though. You
1: do. I'm, I'm almost thinking this might outsell the regular Panamera. We'll see. I don't I, know. I'm curious about this thing because they're positioning it as the sport, but it's so it looks more useful. Instant first glance, it looks more useful. I agree with that. And... The Cayenne sells because of the ride height. Everybody likes being Mm up high. The ride height, Mm -hmm. it still drives like a Porsche. And then the Macan, we're admiring the DNA. What makes all these different models Porsches? What is is it Mm -hmm. about them throughout the lineage, throughout the lineup that allows Porsche to keep creating models like this? This is a massive investment in tooling.
0: This is, Mm, yes, the front end
1: from, well, pretty much to the B pillars, is same Panamera, but to build this as a niche car as I'm, I'm not sure. I'm thinking this has got to, this has got to be a larger market that they've identified. And maybe it is just Europe because wagons sell in Europe and they just really don't. They haven't traditionally now in, in the U S for whatever reason. But the reason is Macans and Cayennes and Mm -hmm. larger sit up high. I feel like I'm driving a more substantial vehicle, but
0: Yeah, maybe,
1: maybe. But this is a significant investment. I I just it's got to be. Yeah, it's such a different car for them. It really is. Mm -hmm. It's it's even more now not a luxury saloon, not a sedan. It's not the SUVs. We're now away from that. And I just wonder about I don't know. Porsche is never going to be doing some autonomy. And and it's on my mind because of my recent business trip here. I spent the uh, a couple days down in uh, orange county with toyota mm-hmm. and uh, up in san francisco with gm and i i wish i could share some of the stuff that gm is doing but <laughs> let's just say autonomy is going to be upon us faster than we think it is and mm, real mm. autonomy and mm. the stuff gm is doing and thinking about i met with their silicon valley r&d office they don't even mm-hmm. really talk to Detroit. They do all kinds of okay. other stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's the skunk works.
1: It, it really is. And the stuff they're talking about and thinking about and what they're demanding, and it's really fascinating. But Porsche hmm. as a brand does not uh, – it's not synonymous with autonomous driving. So they've always got to be True. driver's cars True. and yeah, they've got to yeah. be useful mm-hmm. like this. And so – they're going to be getting into more hyper niche vehicles, and that relates to one of the questions here on Facebook about: is are are they doing what BMW is doing? And mm-hmm. you know, with the X4 and the X2 and all these, you know, we found <laughs> a hole inexplicably. We, we found, found another 50 hole.
0: People that will buy this vehicle. Let's make a GT version of that. Ugh.
1: You know, I'm just wondering: mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. this necessary for car companies to continue doing? and continue proliferating models like this to distinguish themselves from just basic transportation to get people into the brand like this. Will this sport, Turismo, be – will this bring people to the Porsche brand? Will this be their first Porsche? I I don't know. I don't don't know. know. I think this is a a reason to go buy another Porsche. You might have a 911 and a Cayenne, (laughs) and this is the reason to go buy another one.
0: I suppose. But actually, you touch on something there. Because I have to say, honestly, just this is the Panamera I've always wanted. Honestly. This, this, this shape, yeah. this usable yeah. back, this wagon this wagon shape. But I, I'm one of those guys. I would have that fight with my wife where she'd be like, I get that it's a Porsche, but why do you want a wagon? I would have that fight with her. It would happen. I know it would. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. This is the Panamera that I would want. However, I want to submit something else. I'm just thinking okay. out loud because I've right. heard some of these stories. I think that part of the reason the Panamera, in its normal form, sells, and the reason I suspect it's going to outsell this wagon version is I think it sells to a lot of people who go, I can't justify a 911. I need a bigger car. Oh, look, it's a four-door 911. It has the shape. It has the mystique. And I think there are a lot of families that have justified it from that purpose. And once you break into the wagon shape, it's not as interesting to those folks. I think there's a good percentage of people that buy Panameras that – in their and, and honestly, having driven the 991 and driven the Panamera, they feel like – it feels like the Panamera is the slightly bigger brother. I mean that's what it feels like. Even behind the wheel, it looks and feels that way. So I think the, the wagon will suffer from that standpoint too. Look, I th- am thrilled. I love it. I'm glad it exists. I'll be very curious to see how it sells. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at the backlight here, and it's the, it's the slope of the Macan glass. It, mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's not a full-on wagon. It's not quite the boxiness. There's still some sexiness going on about this thing. It's great. Oh, it's great. I, and it's useful. I wonder if they're going to mm-hmm. cannibalize sales from the Cayenne, to be honest.
0: I'll be shocked. I, SUVs I are killing it. I mean. If, if it were me, and I was deciding, and I was deciding, what is our next family car, and I could afford this, the Cayenne would be out, the Panamera wagon would be in, done, happy, thrilled. But my wife likes SUVs. The SUV has the bigger back seat. Yeah. I, I, I think this is a mm-hmm. this is tough water for this car, but I'm thrilled it exists. I and really And don't am.
1: forget, we've got that coupe-based uh, Cayenne, the coupe shape on the Cayenne coming that has been spotted as a spy car. We don't know if that... Mm. We'll make it to production in that form, but we spotted that and seen that you know yeah. lurking around as well. So that is yet another niche that is the not X6. Quite it, <laughs> it is. It's not quite. Oh yeah, the Cayenne, and it's mm-hmm. it's between the Macan and the Cayenne, a hole that none of us knew existed. I am. Yeah. I'm amazed.
0: Nor do I think it needed to be filled, but okay. This I like. <laughs> this I really like, and I'm glad they did it. But I just, I'm, I'm very curious to see what the numbers are because they, they honestly can't make Macans fast enough. They, they no, can't. they can't. They can't. And if you look at used prices on Macans, you can get a used Cayenne for cheaper than you can get a used Macan because the Macans are just in demand.
1: I wonder. There's so many BMW enthusiasts, and I'm using this. As an example, because there are plenty of M cars that we love and mm-hmm, a, f- mm-hmm. a handful of BMW cars that are kind of meh, I could take them or leave them. I mean, yeah, we're agreed. just kind of neither here nor there. And right now, I'm just, you know, super Porsche freak, but here's, <laughs> no. here's Porsche doing this.
0: Uh
1: huh. And. Uh-huh starting to build these all these other models to syndicate the driving experience to every kind of buyer that they can possibly identify. Yeah. Whereas the yeah, core sports, the the you know, the Porsche cars that are the equivalent of, of M cars, the ones we all love that are the the mm-hmm. you know driver's cars, not that the rest of these aren't, but you know what I mean? Yeah. And those are the ones we really no, love. Look- and then there's gonna be some models like, well, That's awesome. And it's a Porsche and it's great. It's very well executed, but eh, okay. You know, we'd, we'd go to something else. Uh, I'm, I'm just curious if that'll start happening with Porsche.
0: I'm very curious. And I'll tell you a niche though, that they haven't touched that. I would like them to touch. Hi, Porsche. Where's your $35,000 car? Never going to happen. Never going to happen. Never going to happen. I agree with you. It's never going to happen. And that's never. the bad news. But luckily, yep. you can get used ones, and they then they do well. But I agree with you. That's just a, a niche they don't even want to touch. Yeah. But they are also the company. I forget the number. But they're also the company that gets the most profit out of each model. So that's good. Um, <laughs> this is what happens when you charge as much as you do exactly. for every extra.
1: For, for options. <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, we'll jump right into a couple of car debates that we've got. We've got yeah. Alexander. He is writing in because He's an SUV guy. He's a SUV guy and has a Mm -hmm. 2014 Toyota 4Runner that he is saying, you know, it's not a driver's car, but he loves driving it. And he's also got a 2017 Audi A4 that he will be replacing probably by the time this comes out. He will now have his 2018 Audi S4, 4Runner's paid for, S4's through his business. Guess why he's riding, everyone? He wants a third car. Yep. This is a wonderful
0: problem to have, Alexander. I love this. I love this. And he's got good amount of money too. He's got about sixty five k on the high end. Yeah. And uh, it only has to it only has to be a two seater. It's just for him and his wife. This is just. I have the money to buy a nice fun car. Mm -hmm. Business car is handled. The truck is handled. Loves them both. They're going to be great. This is fun in that regard. I actually really like this.
1: We're going to pass the hat and take up a collection for those people who can't afford the mortgage on their third homes and need a third fun car. So that's what we're doing for Alexander here. And, uh, yeah, nice amount of money.
0: Have you noticed that Alexander has created some a problem? You and I have created a problem <laughs> for Alexander that we've never created for anyone else.
1: Uh-oh. All right. Did you notice this? Oh, yes, I did. <laughs>
0: he makes a comment here at the bottom of his email. I'm reading along and I'm getting all excited about this. And then he makes a comment where he says, part of the side note, that he really wants us to help him get a third car. Because if he gets a third car, and it's really nice, then that'll help push his wife over the edge for them to get a different house with a three-car yeah. garage. Now- yeah. I, we have never we have never had the problem where what we're actually solving on the car debate is let's find you a different house <laughs> so this <laughs> starts with a different cars. house where we really can't it. help you but but it comes back to that thing we do talk about and that is the thing that keeps the rest of us all of us everybody with the disease from collecting cars indefinitely is two problems: money and storage space well yeah. Alexander has up to sixty five grand and he's gonna get a, car, a house with a third car garage so
1: all Perfect. right, so now Let's we're Let's find we're shopping. a car to fill that. Uh, logging on to Zillow here to find a house. Well, uh, <laughs> exactly. no. have you seen the, the drawing if car guys were architects? And it's, you know, little tiny bathroom, little tiny kitchen, little tiny bedroom, uh-huh. and a four-car garage with a shop. Of course it is. Huge driveway, yep. you know, washing bays, the whole thing. Clearly, you're a car Super freak, because if you're looking for a bigger house, well, not a bigger (laughs) house, just a bigger garage, then done.
0: Done. I love it. I love it.
1: All right. Well, we've got Ryan in southwest Michigan as well looking for a fun car. And the headline for Ryan is he works for Ford, and he's thinking Mm -hmm. about a Ford, but he's not 100% sold on the I work for Ford, so I should drive a Ford idea, which is Mm -hmm. very intriguing to me because – I'm going to say it right up front. A plan pricing, Ryan. I mean, we cannot yeah, ignore true. True, the true. discounts you can get on Ford product being an employee. Everybody yeah. would love to have that. And we don't know if that applies to GT- GT350Rs. Probably not, but <laughs> still, you know. No. Just Eventually saying. it
0: will, I'm sure. Yeah. Eventually well, it will. The great, the great thing about Ryan's story is that he's currently driving an Audi. Yeah. Just like Alexander's driving out, he's driving out Audi. So he's already broken out of, I don't have a problem with driving a car we don't make. But he's thinking about his next one. Maybe it should be a Ford. That is also a fun one, definitely.
1: Yep, yep. All right. Well, uh, jumping right in with Alexander as, we, as we, uh, we're talking about here. He's got the SUV. That's covered for the hiking, the biking, the camping. He's got two mm-hmm. 100-pound dogs. Holy moly. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, that's, there you go. You need a third garage just to for. store
1: dog food. I mean, well,
0: that'll be the fourth garage. Yeah. That'll, the fourth garage is just, it's actually going to have one of those doggy wash bins and, you know, hu- the huge bowls right, and the course. massive, the massive hundred pound bags of kibble. And this, this is the world he's living in. Yeah. I get it.
1: Uh-huh. That's what the SUV is for, is just to haul dog chow. So, yeah,
0: all right. The dogs drive it. It's awesome. The dogs That's actually right. take it out and go just go to the dog park. They take themselves. It's awesome. Yeah. That's right.
1: So, SUVs covered. The sedan, the hot sedan is covered. Nice choice on the 18 Audi S4. And yeah, so now we're going awesome. into the third car here with 65K. Again, as Todd said, just to hold him and his wife. All right. And I, I'm i curious that you didn't send in really a choice. A lot of you will send in, here's the list of things I'm considering or I've driven. Yeah. The only thing yeah. you, you're alluding to is the Cayman that you've driven that. Uh huh. Yeah. Like that. But otherwise, you seem pretty open. Which is cool. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. This is cool here. So it's got to be a manual. Uh, he's six foot three, just like you and I are. And what else? Yeah, a place to put the third car. So, huh.
0: But here, here's the interesting couple of interesting things in Alexander's story that really informed this for me. He had a WRX, the current model WRX. Yeah, I'm and glad ultimately, you mentioned this. he hated it. It just wasn't refined enough for him. He felt the ride was too stiff. And it wasn't a car that he had that kind of "I love walking away from it" moment. So those two things, it mm-hmm. needs more refinement. He needs to kind of have a, a genuine kind of love and lust for the car. So the WRX disappointed him in those regards. Uh, he talks about he actually really enjoyed driving the Fiat Five Hundred Abarth.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, no, mm-hmm. sorry,
0: no the uh, the, the one twenty four Abarth. Sorry, one twenty four. So the new yeah. the yeah. new Fiat. He drove that, really liked it. So that speaks to the fact that you really like the dynamics of a good driver's car, but your legs are too long. You at 6'3", you're kind of like Chance. Actually, Chance, our shooter, has this exact same problem. He's about our height, but he's mostly legs. And yeah, he seriously yeah. considered an Indy Miata. Couldn't get one because he just didn't have enough room for his legs. So you had that exact same problem. So you're looking at a first sports car, good money. You keep circling the Cayman, which is a great choice, but that also fits right in line with what we're saying. Here's a car with a good amount of space that has really nice refinement. You make the comment here that when you drive the Cayman, you realize you never look at the speedometer because you're just mm-hmm. enthralled with the driving experience. <laughs> and so the speed's irrelevant, which is that's – that's very telling, I feel like. Mm. So I have to say to you, sure, the Cayman we, – we talk about it all the time. Paul owns one. Great choice. I want to give you three others. I want you to really go drive. But I, I see where you are, Alexander, and I think there's some good answers here.
1: Sixty-five k is a nice, healthy budget here to work with, and I will say I didn't have to really blow it out to find some good choices because, you know, of course, we're working with sixty-five thousand dollars. So we'll jump right in here, and uh, <laughs> if you like the Cayman, I'm gonna say seven eight one, or sorry, seven eighteen Porsche Boxster. I'm gonna say hmm, the okay. base car, all right, because he also uh, looks at uh, what does it say he wants a coupe or convertible. Mm-hmm. So Alexander is mm-hmm. wanting the convertible. And so that's why I'm leaning towards the Boxster. The base one, because it is the latest, newest, it seems like you're kind of already used to that. You've got pr- two pretty brand new cars already. And mm-hmm. with the latest tech, the Apple CarPlay in the new 718, um, all the you know new engine, new platform, all that kind of stuff, I'm, I'm really thinking that you'd like this Boxster just in the base form. And they're right about 65K. That is pretty much, it's pretty much mostly on the high end of what I'm going to suggest here. I've got two more Mm, on a wild card here. Okay, good. We've suggested this before, and I'm going to go for the 4C, the Alfa Romeo 4C Spider. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Love the spider of that car. 65K, right? 64, 65, somewhere in there. That's That's an option. It's a good option. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that actually. And by the way, Alexander, every car that I'm suggesting, I'm thinking about you just looking forward to driving it, not mm-hmm, just looking mm-hmm. at it, but just the thought. You think of my new car, and it's the blank, and I cannot wait to go drive this car. So sure, the new, sure. yes, the 718 Boxster, the Alpha Four C Spider. I thought of the M240i Convertible. I think this is a bit of a niche okay. car. Along the lines of, you know, like an M3 convertible, you just never really saw them. And we love the M235i. The new engine displacement has bumped that up to the M240i. And in convertible form, I think this is going to be a pretty hot car. I really do. Hmm. Um, Okay. Again, manual transmission with that. And then I'm going to land on the wild card here, which is a Jaguar F-Type, 3-liter, V6 convertible, so that's still 340 horsepower, with a th- yeah. with a six speed manual. Yeah. So I'm thinking that's a good one. Beautiful, and all these are brand yeah. new, as you yeah. can tell. But I'm just I'm thinking about you know the brand newest. You know what can 65k get for you in sure any sure, of sure. these categories? And I I would love to drive any of these cars. I would look forward to driving any yeah. of these cars. And so I kind Agreed. of put myself Agreed. in your shoes a little bit here, Alexander, just to think. I like it. What would I do? I mean, if I didn't go for the Cayman GTS, you know, and I wanted the convertible, what's out there? What's all manual transmission, with the yeah. exception of the 4C? I realize I'm, I realize True. that. True. True. That's the downside there. Yes. You know, might be worth the drive just to just to balance it out, just to say, you know, could you could you dig it? So. Yeah.
0: I'm, I think it's worth driving for sure. I mean, that's the key thing here is that Alexander needs to get in a few things with this budget. He has options. He needs to get in a few things and drive them. I think those are all great recommendations. Here's what's funny. He said convertible or coupe, and you went all convertible, and I went all coupe.
1: Oh, you did? <laughs> I think that's hysterical. Yeah,
0: I, just, I, didn't, even, I didn't even think about it. Otherwise. I mean, any of these so could
1: be in a coupe, I suppose.
0: Absolutely. No, of course. Absolutely. You and could, I actually really like all of your choices. I think the F-type is a great one. I want to start there because I thought of going a little older – I have to bring up the Aston Vantage Ooh,
1: because sure.
0: I think, look, you're going to be obviously getting a used one, but you're not going to get all that much of a used one. It'll be two, three years old probably at the most. Uh, so I think that's a real good option because the thing about it is I just envisioned the event of that car. I, I when, Once you talked about driving a Cayman, not looking at the speedometer and enjoying the drive, I thought Aston Vantage. Mm, you know, sure. it's, it's a good manual, great car to drive, wonderful car to be in, nice place to be. Looks wonderful, classy. I think the vantage. You need to go drive one. I think if you're considering the Cayman, you simply must go drive an Evora. You need to drive that as well, because you could get now the Evora 400 out of your range probably, but you get a get the last gen. Please don't mistake the fact that the even though the 400's great. The prior one, there's nothing really wrong with it. I mean, it's got some (laughs) little foibles, but please go drive an Evora, and you could get a really nice one, possibly even a still brand new one, but just not the new 400 for your price, and walk away with a great car. So drive the Evora. And then I have a slight wild card. Okay. I want to put it out here, though, because – as I was thinking about cars, you'll notice all the cars are, are kind of in that, that nice uh, style, the, the Panamera, the Avora, the Vantage, they all kind of feel kind of high-end. I've got one that's a little bit of a left turn, but I really resonated with the fact that the thing you didn't like about your WRX was you thought that the ride was just stiff and terrible for what you wanted to use the car for, and it doesn't sound like it was enough of an event. And then I thought of this car, the Corvette C7 with the Z51 and Magne Ride package.
1: I wondered if you were going to go there. I wondered because we've yeah, talked about 65Ks versus yeah. entry level Caymans, you know, the, yeah. the C7s. And,
0: and, and you have to look, I know, look, it doesn't have the mystique of the other things I've mentioned, but trust me, Alexander, if you haven't driven a C7 Corvette, it is probably twice the car you think it is. It's an incredible car to drive. Yeah, it really is. The manual is great. Everything just ergonomically is set up so well, and it's set up so well for big guys like us. You can remove that top on the coupe, and now it's it's not a T-top; it's just a Targa, okay. And that and that top fits in the back. It has a surprisingly usable uh, hatch back there because the whole top will fit in it. Watch our review on that C7 because it surprised both of us. It's a Mm -hmm. great great car to drive, and because of the Magna Ride, you now have options. Honestly, in a way that these other cars can't even quite get to, and that is, if you want to go and just cruise and just you know road trip and Enjoy, turn it all soft, and it'll yeah. just soak up everything. Yeah, GT car. But if you want to hammer it down, a, exactly, and and a great one. If you want to hammer down a back road, then you turn it all the uh, the other direction, and it's a fantastically sharp vehicle. I know it's a bit of a wild card on the rest of the list, but please drive the C7
1: Corvette. I wondered if you were going to say that. I know, I'm glad you did. When we were driving that car, we just debated the new Porsche Boxsters are this price. New C7 Corvettes are the same price. I know. What I on know. earth? It was. It was a fun conversation to keep beating on, and then really Agreed. coming back to that decision. But you have to promise us if you do go the Corvette route, you are not allowed to drive at sixty miles an hour in the third lane. You need yes, to like. You need to go get yourself a speeding yep. ticket. You just do. You need to go collect one. <laughs> Just do it. This is our new recommendation. Get it over with.
0: Please buy this car and please go get a speeding ticket. Yes. Somehow, law enforcement is now our friend. Thank you. You're helping us make quota. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's that's terrible but funny at the same time.
1: Just – I mean just go get it over with, right? If you're going to get something hot, just go get it over with. You could say, you know, Paul, take your own medicine. I do have a radar detector that I use quite often. As a matter of fact, I don't drive the car. But then, you know – I, I drive um, ticket collecting speeds, let's put it that way. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, you and your radar detector have had a very good relationship for quite some time. Yes, we
1: do. It's a very loving relationship. It cares for me. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right, Alexander, hope that helps. And uh, let us know what you get. So, we're, we're always curious. And for any of you uh, listening, we recommend a car. Let us know. Drop us a line. Tell us what you get. And, Definitely. uh, you know how it works out for you, and also if you would rate and review our podcast, we ask for it sometimes, but not nearly enough. I feel like, but you guys really have been doing an awesome job, and it's absolutely ha- yeah. Helped continue to push our podcast way up there, and we're Thank proud you. of that. We're not only thrilled mm-hmm. to have you writing us and helping you, but we're we're proud. We really are, and uh, it's yeah, something um, you know, it's just it's something Todd and I look forward to really definitely and, uh, absolutely.
0: Yeah, but- it's yeah. funny how much this has become a trend, and and I, it's gotten to the point where just kind of randomly almost every night my wife's like, well, you're podcasting tonight, right? I think she thinks we do this every night, but we probably <laughs> could. We can't, but we probably could very easily because we can talk about cars for so much, and you guys are writing in so much. Of course, you can find uh, us at TV at Gmail. That is our email address. You can write a car debate that way, or you can go through the website, everydaydriver.com. There's a contact form on there. We do read all of them. We do apologize if we don't get to yours because the volume is constantly growing. Thank you for sending in so many, but we are uh, reading all of them and we're trying to, pa- to pair them up uh, for podcasts. And actually, one of the common threads this evening is the Audi, because Ryan has an Audi A4, uh, it's kind of just as Alexander does, and Ryan's getting rid of his Audi A4. Is there a trend there? I don't know what's going on. But Audi's for sale. In- <laughs> hey, yeah, everyone. You want some if you're really really looking for an nice Audi, Audi A4, <laughs> <laughs> we have two. Coming out of this podcast. Exactly. Uh, Right to us. Okay. anyway. uh, But um, he he has an Audi, and he actually likes it. But he's a guy with, well, the disease. He gets rid of cars after not having them for too long. So he's just thinking, okay, no real problems with the Audi. But he wants to move on. He works at Ford. So he could get a Ford product. He's thinking, I could. I don't know if I want to be that guy. But I could go. Clearly, you're willing to go either way. So let's talk about Ryan's situation a bit.
1: Yep, Ryan's our friend who works for Ford. He's looking at the Mustang, possibly. He's also thinking mm-hmm. about getting a winter beater, which is something very common for people in Midwest. And uh, you know, here I kind of have the the winter Jeep, even though it's not a beater. But this is a True. common thing. People just get a whatever car, and so you just see that sort of the dregs of cardom on the roads in the winter in Detroit <laughs> and uh, and Michigan. Uh, I cannot ignore that. I mean, if you're gonna get something really nice. It's it's something. It's it's a thing. Yeah. You just don't have yeah. to worry about it. Somebody slides India, and you know all those kinds of things. You just care less about it. So there is definitely something to to that. I'm I'm just also wondering the weather and the road conditions because in Detroit and Michigan, last time I was there, Telegraph Road was pretty torn up. Unless they've repaved it, but I just remember the expansion joints and just cannot believe the roads. I mean. The, yeah. the weather just tears the roads up, and so they fix them mm-hmm. every summer, and then they just get torn up again. So, you know, if you're going the leasing route, that might be something to consider. Even though Detroit is now full of Audis and Subarus and just about everything, it's no <laughs> yeah. longer just, you know, FCA, GM, and Ford. So mm-hmm.
0: I'm mm-hmm.
1: kind of leaning towards leasing for you because you've got here possibly three to $4,000 set aside for this Jeep, uh, the XJ Cherokee that you're suggesting, And about three eighty a a month on a lease or payment, possibly here. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. You
1: notice Ryan is also six foot three.
0: I noticed that. We we have a trend. Every every, everybody in this podcast tonight uh, drives Audis and is six foot three. I don't know that this is this is the (laughs) common thread here. I I love it. But yeah, so this is the budget that Ryan has to work with, roughly three eighty a month. And I actually am because you've asked the question, Ryan, about. I've always bought my cars should I lease Lease going forward. And my feeling is if you're going to trade out cars every year or two, I think why not? I think you're the perfect candidate mm-hmm. yeah. for leasing. Yeah. You're going to get more for your money. And I have this guy I've talked about here before that uh, he had a terrible 80s Oldsmobile that he'd had forever, I think, since he turned 16. And it was a monster boat that barely ran. And it was a huge car. Two or three years ago, maybe four years ago now, he just randomly went out and leased a 3 Series BMW. He jumped from this just total old old school, not good Detroit car to a brand new 3 Series. Loved it. Mm-hmm. When that lease was up, he's traded last year for a brand new A4. And he's just trying stuff out at his lease payment. I think this is exactly who you are right now, Ryan. I, I feel like why not? And so my, I'm definitely leaning lease for you. And I And I'm also of the demeanor to just say, you know what? I get the winter beater thing. If you depending upon how much your car is getting beat on, maybe. But my instinct is let's just get you another single car. Mm-hmm. So I've got some thoughts on that. One of the things I noted here, though, the reason that you're considering a Jeep as a winter beater is the cars you've owned. You had a Mercury Mariner very early on, and then you've had two Wranglers before the Audi. So you've got limited uh, variation in your ownership experience. So I recommended all kinds of things you haven't had. Uh, but I kept in mind you also work for Ford. So I've got four, but where are you?
1: Wow. I, I'm i coming back to the A-Plan pricing. And I will also say, if you want to not go A-Plan, use Fiesta STs or $12,500, everybody, with apologies, if you're upside down <laughs> on your loan. Just saying. I'll bet you new ones are like seventeen grand for brand new. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm thinking of the weather, and I'm thinking of, you know, Torn up roads and that kind of thing. I'm also thinking one car, and so therefore, I am at leasing for you. And just as Todd said, we've kind of identified this feeling we're getting here. You're just towing the pool of everything. Let's just go try stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah, agreed. agreed. So
1: therefore, I don't think you need a winner beater. And let's go lease you some interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm also looking at a BMW here. I don't think $380 a month okay. is going to get you into a Boxer or a Cayman. I really don't. It's
0: true. Well, what you want here? You mentioned that, but he, he says he really would like to have a Porsche. He's always dreamed of having a Porsche. He's driven a Boxster. That is in here. I agree with you. I don't think that's where we go, but I think that's worth noting for later. But keep going.
1: I'm thinking this BMW 230i. You heard me recommend the 240i for Alexander, but I'm thinking the 230i manual okay. for leasing because I okay. think it'll be right in that 380 a month sweet spot. And it's still nimble enough with a decent ride that's not going to just tear you up. It's going to be still great for those roads. And if you lease it, you're good. And it's just going to be the fun car just to go drive. And I -hmm. I think that could be really interesting for you. Now, yes, you're in the manual Audi right now. But let me explain the differences between Audi and BMW. (laughs) Besides (laughs) the placement of the engine in the car and the weight transfer and the rear drive and – generally speaking, the ha- the handling differences alone are mm-hmm. amazing. So, yes, you could say both German cars, let's get you out of something. But I'm kind of thinking BMW, if you haven't driven it, and I don't see it on your ownership list here. Yeah, yeah. They really I- are different cars than Audis. They yeah. really are. I had
0: the 2 Series on my list as well. I'm glad you brought it up because it is it, it, it's, it feels like a natural progression somewhat. You've tried out the Audi. You're thinking about a Mustang, so clearly you're not concerned with rear-wheel drive. Get the BMW and experience a, yeah, it seems like another German luxury car. It's a direct competitor. How different could it be? It is a different personality of vehicle. Really? And is. that's why I think he needs to go at least drive the 2 Series. I think leases are an option for his budget. I love that you brought up the 2 Series. I have three others, but that's an excellent one.
1: Last one I'm going to suggest here is the Golf R, brand new Volkswagen mm, Golf okay. R. Go lease that yeah. thing. Gobs of power. It's quote unquote. You can't see my air quotes here, but all wheel drive. We can. You know what I mean? But yes.
0: Yes, it is. So now uh, with more Haldex. Yes, I get it. Uh-huh. <laughs> with
1: more Haldex added, it's uh, yes, you're going to front wheel drive at that point. That feeling, I guess. But we love that car. It's a spectacular yeah, it's a car cool to drive. Car. It's great for commutes. It's going to do great in the winter. Throw some winter tires on that thing, and it's going to be Definitely. pretty unstoppable. It's just going to be an interesting, fun car for you. It's just going to be so different, and also manual. I, yeah, just the differences in that in that platform there. I think will be really something something to consider for you. So mm-hmm. Golf R, brand okay. new Golf R, brand new two thirty I, and then yeah, nothing Boxster Cayman. Okay. Fiesta ST, Fiesta ST. Well, <clears throat> Fiesta ST. I,
0: I, well they're funny. I, I had a couple that I that I wanted to mention to you, and I don't know the reality of this, Ryan. I mean, you work for Ford, I don't. So I'm going to bring up this question: um, How much hate would you get if you wound up in a Camaro? Well, what would happen? Are there are there are there beatings after school? I, I, what what happens here? I, I'm just curious because I think look, you're you're looking at the Mustang, which means you're looking at the GT roughly. Go drive the Camaro. I think you need to. And I think working at Ford, it would also be interesting. Maybe you don't end up in that car. Maybe you can't end up in that car. But go drive the Mustang GT and go drive the Camaro SS on the same day and just see what you think. I think that in and of itself is a fascinating little outing. And, and I'm asking the question, what happens if you wound up in the Camaro instead? I, I don't have an answer to that question. I'm posing the question. So I, I think you need to go drive the Camaro. I, I like the Mustang GT for you. If you're going to be a Ford guy, I like the GT. But with one problem, the problem with the GT, which is good. And if you watch Tom's piece, I mean, Tom can't get over it. But the problem with the GT is the GT350.
1: The, yeah. the GT350 yeah.
0: is such a great car with such amazing personality that i feel like it really overshadows the the standard gt in a big big way that's my problem with the gt because you can't you can't get into the standard mustang gt I mean pardon me you can't get into the gt 350 and i feel like it's one of those cars that if you're in it you're always going to lust after the bigger one that's my concern there
1: so you're thinking not even touch it you're saying just not even go there if because one, of yeah, this dichotomy y-
0: I'm wondering, yeah, exactly. I'm wondering if, because you're in the GT, you'd always be like, ah, but GT350. I guess yeah. Maybe you haven't driven it. Yeah. But but I really think that the jump is big enough in how cool the car is and how amazing it is to drive. And the GT is not bad, but the GT350 is yet another leap. I think you'd kind of feel like you missed out. In fact, I'll, I'll speak in another way. You just mentioned the Golf R, mm-hmm. which I think yeah. is a great recommendation. I don't think you drive a GTI and always think, I should have gotten an R. Because the GTI is great. It holds up right. just fine. Right. I think you would. it's very possible, especially working at Ford, to be driving a Mustang GT and regularly think, I wish I had a GT350. That's my concern. Yeah. So I'm going to put that out there, which makes me think of this. What can you, as a Ford employee, get for a Focus RS? Hello? Yeah. Focus RS, yeah, completely different experience than you've had. You wind up in a Ford. I think you wind up personally. I think you wind up in a more unique Ford. You wind up in if you if you'll follow me, the Halo car of that model. Since you can't get the Halo Mustang, you get the Halo Focus. The RS is really cool. The RS is a car you could drive year-round. Ken Block drives his RS in blizzards here in Utah. I know because I went by him one direction in my rear-wheel drive orange uh, teenager's car, and he went by the other way in his uh, blue Focus RS with the big Hoonigan sticker on it. So, yes, you could drive your RS through the Detroit winters. Never think twice. My favorite Ford for you is that one.
1: Hmm, You're thinking RS. I like that, too. And... Surely, surely they can offer you something, some kind of they, discount. They have to.
0: There's got to be a right? deal on that
1: car. Yeah.
0: I mean, I, I think I would say RS over GT, personally, over, over Mustang GT. Now, if mm-hmm. you could get a GT350, I would say game over. But I, I, I think Focus RS is where I'm going to stay.
1: And that one will do fine for a single car. It'll do just of fine. It'll be yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Absolutely. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. All right. Gosh. I, I'm i sure there's plenty of Corvette and Camaro enthusiasts and a contingent at Ford and vice versa, Mustang owners and lovers at sure, GM. Sure, yeah. Well, I don't sure. think it's a big thing anymore. I mean, we're not in the 70s where they would, you know, weld the Coke can on the inside of the door and, you know, I'm having a bad day at work. So they, <laughs> you know. I just, no, I don't they, know they don't what do that the... anymore.
0: Yeah, I don't know what the 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 flavor would be. I mean, I feel like you pull up in an Audi at Ford. You pull. You bought an Audi. You bought a German car. If you pull up in a Camaro, I maybe it doesn't matter. But maybe there's jokes at the water cooler. I don't know how it goes. So I'm bringing it up. But anyway, yeah. Uh, we have so many questions from you guys. Yeah, Thank we you. We, we post for questions every time on all of our social media. You can reach out to us, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, any of those places is Everyday Driver. Uh, and uh, we have posted many, many questions. I picked out four, a couple off of Facebook, a couple off of Twitter. I think you grabbed a few as well.
1: Gosh, a bunch of them here. Chad Fotheringham on Facebook is saying, why do we never suggest any classic cars for our car debates? Chad, Mm, it's because so far, nobody's really written to us that is suggesting or wanting to buy something classic. If that is you, I'd be happy to debate it with Todd. I'd actually enjoy that. But generally Mm, speaking, these are budgets that we're working with. People need to drive these cars all the time and use them and it's just, we need to rely on these cars. They're not the, mm-hmm. I'll bring it out for the car show every Sunday or Saturday or whatever. And, you know, budgets can go pretty wild with classic cars. And then there's sure, maintenance sure. and then specialty insurance and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, So yeah. I, I'll definitely put it out there. If you're looking for something classic and by that we mean, you know, 25, 30 years, you know, old, something like that, past that date, we're we're up for it. I'd be... I'd be curious, but uh, well, you know, debate the Duesenbergs and the Packards and the I don't know something <laughs> now interesting. Now you've
0: gone super classic, but but you bring up you bring up an interesting point though. Here's here's the problem with the reason this doesn't get recommended a lot, Chad. You are a specific buyer if you're willing to buy a 70s muscle car.
1: Sure. If oh, you're yeah. shopping
0: for a 70s muscle car, you've already. Kind of narrowed yourself to a pretty specific. I am willing to go for these things, okay. But if you're look, if you're t- we're talking about, and most of the time we are, we're talking about people who they're going to buy a car. They, like, as Paul said, they're going to drive it every day. It needs to connect to my phone, and I need a cup holder, and I, I have to be able to do this and that, and all the stuff that those cars don't even get close to, unless you go. Okay, how do I do aftermarket for the? It needs to be much more kind of modern and modern uh, conveniences. That's the problem with the classic cars. If somebody told us that was already their proclivity, for those of you that are drinking, <laughs> we would we would entertain it. But that's not really where most people are leaning. That is a niche buyer, and so it requires kind of niche discussion. But I hear what Paul's saying. If we if we got those in, we'd certainly talk about it.
1: Yep, yep. I'd, I'd be up for it. So, man, tons of questions. What stuck out at you?
0: Uh, well, I have one that I have a few that, that I really liked, but... Um, Interesting, Dan asked the question about our drift piece that just came out today. You know, we're there driving a Drift 101, we're driving an old 240. And he's asking, uh, how do we like the 240? And something I cut out of the video related to this, and so I, I wanted to, to talk about Dan's question. I was genuinely shocked at how similar that car felt to my FRS. I was really very surprised. Mm-hmm. Uh, We actually drove that same weekend, we drove a 1973 Datsun 240, which was even older than the one, of course, we drifted. And it was interesting to drive that, to drive the drift car, and of course to own my car, and to think about how related they all are. I mean, obviously my car feels uh, newer, uh, and actually my car, you can feel a slightly lower center of gravity than the 240 that we drifted, but they were such kindred spirits in driving style And uh, somebody else asked about all the changes done to that car and how much easier it must have been to drift because they were set up for drifting. I have to say, since going to Drift 101 and since getting wonderful snowy parking lots in Utah, I'm getting sideways quite a bit more. (laughs) And I'm, (laughs) I'm not really having any trouble getting as sideways in the FRS in a snowy parking lot as I did in the 240. Of course, that was tarmac, but set up for drifting. I don't have quite as much steering lock, but it's, you know, they feel really similar. And that was the big takeaway for me is I really liked it. And I kept thinking, I kind of own this car.
1: Yeah, I uh, I was surprised by how easy that car was to drive and then mm-hmm. eventually Agreed. drift. Really, yeah. I, I liked the recipe. And I mourn the lack of this this configuration in the market. We've got your car. We've got... Very little else, Hyundai Genesis, but that's out of production for the moment. We've got, and it's bigger, kind of yeah. two, uh, kind of the uh, 370Z. That's getting pretty old itself. I mean, this recipe is not abounding in the marketplace, and I'm more right, that to be right. honest. It's just, it's so much you. fun. It just is so much fun, and I'm, yeah, I really enjoy driving as well, and uh, was just kind of shocked. You know, I'm thinking, all right, we've gone away from this you know this kind of style it's all mm-hmm. crossovers and all that kind of stuff and they're well, going front
0: wheel drives and and and, you know? and all the sports cars are significantly larger too in yeah, general they're, all, they're
1: all good yeah. that car that 240 i i would love to know how much that car weighed i mean he's got it pretty stripped down and you know, lightweighted yeah, his, and all that kind his of stuff. Was, but it just felt His was light.
0: even less, but still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very You know? Light. And beat on. I mean, that car <laughs> was soldiering on. It was <laughs> soldiering on. But, my <laughs> yeah. gosh. In fact, um, there was a, a question from uh, Blake on Facebook, actually, that relates to this, where he asked about... Uh, did we think that that drift school was worth it I mean he was actually looking online looking at the costs and it is it ranges depending upon how you want to do it what class you're doing and I'm gonna get a little bit wrong but the average price is 750 800 bucks for the day okay mm-hmm. you can do a little yeah. cheaper a little more yeah. expensive that's about the average he's asking is it worth it i should i want to say to you yes absolutely and here's why because you aren't beating on your own car the the inexplicable number of full throttle clutch drop launches you and i did in a calendar day it made my <laughs> sure. spine shiver i just <laughs> well, kept thinking you know yeah but that, that's that's actually the benefit of what you're paying for you aren't paying for the tires you aren't paying for the maintenance <laughs> just paying for the clutch that's it you, you're not paying for any of and that's the thing you aren't <laughs> you aren't having to worry about driving your own car home and wondering what have I just worn out by beating on it all day?
1: Right, right. What's what's going to cost that's the me? What's going to be reason? the first thing to fail and go? And you know, yeah. How much did it yeah. really cost me? Yeah, it's... you
0: know, on top of the fact that Naoki is a great instructor and really can walk you through from whatever your experience and I mean, you saw the piece. Whatever your experience is, he can really get you to a place where you can improve and actually be drifting. In spite of that. On top of that are, are, is the car and the venue that mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about yeah. booking or paying for or worrying about maintaining. You just show up. You drive. You walk away. Done. That's why it's worth the money.
1: Yep, absolutely. All right. Well, uh, Mark Butler is asking uh, again. He's asked a few times, Mark. We are uh, jumping into your question about the Grand Tour versus Top Gear UK. And uh, a, a few thoughts here for you. Mark is writing to us that he's just not getting into the Grand Tour. He's just feeling like it's staged, the audience scenes, just kind of generic stuff in there. And he's really liking Top Gear UK and still seeing room for improvement. Mark, I'll be honest, I'm kind of with you. I've I've told Todd that with the Grand Tour, this is fresh, blue sky. You can do anything you want. And Mm -hmm. by the end Mm -hmm. of the season, it did feel formulaic to me already. I mean, yeah, just fair the, point. Fair point. You know, hopefully, you all have seen it, but at the very beginning, the drone crash and the thing that James says after the celebrity dies, and mm-hmm. you know, on and well, on, celebrity it got,
0: dying thing to begin with. I mean, I was shocked that they milked that as long as they did. It just yeah, got unfunny
1: to me. It just, mm-hmm. it got very formulaic, and I thought, all right, here it comes. I loved the spontaneity of uh, they just kind of let things happen when they were on Top Gear, and now. Matt LeBlanc and and his co-hosts are doing the same thing. They're kind of enjoying the moments and just letting things happen and not trying to force the joke and, you know, force the line and that kind of stuff. I'm really kind of with you. I love the Grand Tour for new scenes, and it was a fresh start. And then as it kind of went on, I didn't really think they needed to be as crass as they got. I just thought, all right, you know, it's okay, you know, okay. But um, anyway, they – yeah, it just felt more formulaic. The the cars they drove were excellent and great. I wanted to see more of that. Um but uh it de- it definitely seemed like an audience love fest, you know, that kind of thing. Mm.
0: Um, well, you know, it's it's interesting you bring that up because, you know, you and I watched all of this all of the season. We watched yeah, it a lot. Yeah. My my son, and this is interesting, my my 7-year-old son thought it was hysterical. Sure. But sure. I wonder but but I wondered about you know, the the level of it, because sometimes he doesn't find the older Top Gear episodes as funny as the Grand Tour episodes, which I thought was kind of interesting. But I, I felt like Grand Tour is much more absurd because they after they got let off the leash, so to speak, where they went with it yeah. was more absurd, which yeah. kind of surprised me. And, you know, they've all it's always been scripted, but the older stuff hid the fact that it was scripted much better than the new stuff. And one of the things that I, agree. I was really surprised by... Yeah is I feel like the films were operating at a pretty similar category. I mean, you may not have liked the topic of some of the films, let's say, but I feel like they were executed at a pretty similar level and were enjoyable, and that was the guys in their element. But I used to feel like that the studio stuff was operating at almost the exact same level as the films. And yet with Grand Tour, I felt like there was a big dichotomy. I felt like the studio stuff, you were kind of suffering through because it felt, as you said, staged and, It's already gotten old and that kind of stuff, which is shocking in as as few episodes as they've done comparatively. And then they would cut away to films, and the films would be the breath of fresh air. I'm not sure why the studio stuff is struggling as much, but I think it is struggling there. Uh, But the updated Top Gear UK, all of that studio stuff struggled too. Now, maybe that was Chris Evans. I don't know. But obviously he's not there. I think the big surprise of last season's Top Gear UK reboot was Matt LeBlanc. I agree. So, I so now really he, has, him. he is there, and he's there with the two other best people of the group. Yep. I mean, come on. Rory yep. Reed has been awesome for a long time, and Chris Harris for longer than that. Those three guys have a chance of making something very special. I'm very excited about the new season. I, I But honestly, last season's uh, studio stuff on that Top Gear was painful. It was painful. So let's painful. hope they do that better, too.
1: Yeah, and speaking of painful, I was disappointed with their – you know, their portrayal of the American on the Grand Tour, Mike Skinner, who's mm. a racing driver. I just thought, all right, he's got to say something negative. And it felt very produced and very staged, not even scripted. But, okay, you have to not like everything. And I thought, you know, it's okay to like this. If you're enjoying it, I think it'd add a lighter tone and it wouldn't be so heavy and quite frankly depressing because we knew whatever car he was going to get in he was going to instantly hate it and compare it sure. to something country and it felt contrived and just yeah. come on I, I didn't like it for that reason I was disappointed with his portrayal I think he could be totally different and I would like him I would like it better so well I'll give you will give you a felt counterpoint so on produced. that. So produced. It, it
0: does feel produced. But actually what I see when I watched him every single time, I heard the television development meeting. Sure. Okay so yeah. So the BBC owns the Stig. We can't do the Stig. He never says anything. He's a Brit that never says anything. And doesn 't have an opinion, no we need we need the opposite of that, yeah, we need an American yeah. who won 't shut <laughs> up and dislikes everything there's a development meeting, folks it that was the thing about it. that disappointed me. You know who I think they should do? I think they should chuck out the American and they should call up Jensen Button and get him to be their test driver.
1: heck, yes, he would do he 's no longer f one he
0: 'd do a great job, they like him he 's personable, he could say whatever he wanted about the car. people would respect that. They would respect the lap time. I think Jensen Button should be the race driver for Grand Tour. The American should be out because it's a gag. It don't is. You don't need to have Jensen do anything else other than yeah. drive the cars and say a couple things about it. That's all he has to do. Doesn't and, need to be another host. Yeah. Be so much better than what they had there because it just feels like we checked boxes of what's the polar opposite of all of the Stig stuff. I'm actually surprised he even wore white. I expected it to be in black. Mm-hmm. Yeah. with American flag on the side. I mean, that would have been the extra step. Yeah, of course. But it was a development course. meeting. Yeah, go on.
1: I, yeah, I just felt like uh, the gag, as you said. It was just it was depressing because we all thought, all right, here it comes. Got to suffer through mm-hmm. this. And just because a development executive thinks we need to do the opposite, that doesn't mean it's right. I, sure. I just I can't stand that. And you've described development meetings to me before, and I just can't stand it because they think they're right, and they just – I, yeah, I like Jensen so much better. He could relate it to, hey, when I was in F1, we would do this all the time. Or we, you know, here's a technique, everybody, you know, and just relate it to his driving, his skills, his triathlons, yeah, sure. anything in his life. And people would just eat that up. He'd do a fantastic I agree. job.
0: I agree. That's a great, great idea. He'd be great. Um, so let's see. We have many, many, many other questions. And we're not going to get to all of them by any means. Uh. I wanted to touch on Adam Reiner's question really quickly. He's asking about winter driving since we are still very snowy here in Utah. I wanted to speak on it. In fact, just this past week I was driving in near whiteout conditions, and so that made me think of this when I read uh, Adam's question. He was asking about where do the drivers go, where should the drivers go. He's saying you're following along in, let's say, the far left lane of the freeway. You're following along in the tracks of the person in front of you, and you get to a turn on the freeway. And you're right, Adam, this happens all the time. You get to a turn on the freeway. And the lines, the the, the the tracks to the pavement that you're following, they drift out of the lane and off into, like, the middle lane as they slowly oh, make the corner. Sure. And maybe yep. – he said, what do you do? Do you follow that or do you cut your own path? And then he asks, besides that, what does a lane departure warning system do with that? Well, first off, I'm going to tell you nothing because when it's <laughs> white out, the lane departure warning system has no idea where the lane lines are. Correct. It's, it's, bl- it's blind. So that, that's part of it. To answer your question, you really have to base it on conditions. I was actually in a situation a week ago where the, the track I was in, I could tell we'd left the lane lines, but it was the only track of traffic. It was just one line of cars. So if we all leave the lane lines, who cares? If you've got anybody else around you, I try to be very diligent. Where is the lane? I need to be in my lane. But if it's one track of cars and everybody's in the same two tracks down the road, and it's just one line of people, I say go where everybody goes. Go where there is the best track and stay in it.
1: I'm agreement. I, I really like that because uh, you've got to get down to pavement, and if you cut your own tracks, you're cutting through slush and possibly ice and kind of getting a little bit dangerous there. So even though it you, you don't want to go with the flow, in this case, go with the flow because you're cutting down to the pavement. You're cutting down to – where you've got the most grip, and I'm I'm completely with you. It's uh, one of those things, I mean, but okay, you know. I've fully
0: blazed trail in the FRS. I've done it. I, I'm you know winter tires. You can. Oh do. sure, you can. You know, it, it's not you a can. problem. But it's but if you don't need to, that's the thing. What's going on with traffic around you? If you don't need to, then stay where you've got track, like Paul's saying. Um, I had one other I wanted to – I think we should end on because it's funny. But I was curious if you had another one prior.
1: I'm going to try to get a few of them done here in quick succession here.
0: Okay. Uh, Okay.
1: AKA 217 on Instagram. Design-wise, why don't we have cars with no overhang? Because you'd Mm. be driving a Plymouth Prowler, and that's why. Uh, Well,
0: but what's the – hang on. What's the Dodge – is it the Nitro that was built on the – Wrangler well, yeah,
1: the Wrangler, that too. It's proportion. It looks terrible. It's it proportion. looks terrible. Yeah. It, it just, you, you don't want to, it works for hot rods. It works for chip foos. It's great sure. for, sure. you know, cool hot rods and prowlers. And the proportions did end up looking strange. For Wranglers, great. No overhang for four-wheel driving and, you know, mm-hmm. angle mm-hmm. of attack. But it's all about proportion. I mean, there has to be some, but... You know, it's it's got to be really good proportions. And that's why there's still overhang. Engine placement, you know, mm-hmm. we're still going to get overhang front and rear. And um yeah, proportion. Height of body side to the size, the, the height of the window. So look at body side to window proportions. And mm, front to rear overhangs, angle of attack, all those things. You know, Todd's car is very low angles of attack. Uh, well, it's a low car with high angles, so that means that the wheels are very pushed out to the edges of the car. Gives it a very sure. low, slung, tight, sporty look, but it still has a lot of overhang, and that yeah. gives you yeah. engine placement. Whereas, you know, nine elevens, they're growing. You know, they've got a lot of front overhang there, but you know, yeah. in plan view, it doesn't seem like it. You're looking from the top down; that front end just cuts away from the rear and cuts mm-hmm. away from the front right there. It doesn't really seem like it, even though there is quite a bit. So. Uh, yeah. What else? Uh, Panamera wagon. We've covered that. Uh, <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That could be the next, uh, the next shoot car. Cause of the low rear rear load floor there. I yeah. Like somebody
0: that. said, we sh- can we buy that as the ever driver Heck shoot yeah. car? My answer to that would be if you're funding it. Yes, absolutely. It'd be perfect shoot car.
1: Yes. Uh, what else? Design thoughts on the Lincoln continental door handles. I'm underwhelmed and I think it's, it's only trick. it's, looks nice and black mm. and it's going to mm. be the next black car for Uber and Lyft and okay. But I, that's its only trick. It really is. And you might, if you're going to do that with those door handles, just do away door handles altogether and give it, make it just mm. completely clean and do something different. Lincoln needs to really shape up. They're just, I, I want the best <laughs> for them. I really do. Todd and I skewer them every chance we get, but come on the door handles. That, that's your party trick, really?
0: Yeah, that's a fair point. That's okay. a fair point.
1: Yeah. And then last one here is why do you think Apple stopped with the Apple car? Because writing code is easy, building cars yeah. is hard. And I yeah, think they there's a t shirt.
0: <laughs> there's, there's tonight's t shirt. Writing code is easy, building cars is hard. That's I fantastic. I like that a lot. Yeah.
1: I think they've run into the buzzsaw of, huh, you mean a car is comprised of hundreds of of little tiny products that have to be produced and all interlock and look nice and not squeak and rattle. And they the interiors, the console, the cup holders, the buttons, yeah. the way yeah. the doors put together, all this stuff. You mean you have to engineer and that has to work and it has to be as good as an iPhone? Phone?
0: Yeah. Yeesh. But think about phones and computers for a second because of the smaller number of parts and things they don't have to survive like Crash testing, <laughs> right? That's a car. That that's something that eventually you can figure out your margin so that your margin of profit on it is massive. Your margin of profit on, of profit on most cars is tiny. Mm-hmm. So at some point, yeah. that's a consideration as well. You know, <laughs> they, you, they but but all. that's the thing though. But that's the thing though. Porsche, I think, is making an average of about twenty grand per car. When you consider yeah. they're selling yeah. a car for eighty, and they're the industry leader on profit, this is not a good margin. The profit on your iPhone is probably well over 50%. All of your computers, well oh, over 50%. Easy, easy. So, so that you're looking at it as a company that's used to making margins like that. Now you have a more complicated product with lower margins and much higher problems and returns and all of those kind of things that could scuttle a brand.
1: Yeah, run away quickly. <laughs> Cars are hard. They are. To make them good, I mean, people are so picky. And will be from mm-hmm. here on out, and especially if Apple is getting into what we thought they were getting into, the interiors are what it's all about. And that's got to be mm. quite nice and quite compelling mm. and lots of technology and lots of engineering. And they've yeah. got the money, though. They have got the money to do it, and of anybody, I thought they were. But Google's going with Waymo. They're going with uh, FCA. <laughs> they're making Price. Waymo cars. They're not making Waymo cars. They're, they're partnering up. And I thought Uber might, but no, Uber's driving Volvos and Fords. And
0: OK, yeah, yeah.
1: They're, they're running into the buzzsaw of actually manufacturing and production. Like GM, Ford, FCA, even Tesla, they're all sort of like, we got this. We we know what we're doing here. It it actually does matter to have a history of making cars and working out the yeah, bugs yeah. in manufacturing it. That actually matters. It's hard to just sure, start it up. Sure, And that's why I'm – Really interested in companies like NextEV that have rebranded themselves as neo, okay, maybe built in China, but uh, <laughs> just well the blue sky you, you blue Sky
0: sure. you mentioned Tesla in passing there, I mean Tesla is competing against car companies that have done this for a hundred a hundred years and have massive infrastructure. Tesla is showing to the public how hard it is to ramp up to be a mass market car maker. Whether they're successful yeah. or not, honestly, rests on the model three and trying to make hundreds of thousands of cars a year. And to this point it has proven to be, and this is no slide against Tesla, because they they're making great cars, but they oh, are sure. they are showing to everybody at every step how incredibly hard this is, and you know Apple's paying attention.
1: Oh, absolutely. And Tesla smartly bought a factory that has been retooled, but it's been around since the sixties. I mean, yeah. they bought yeah. infrastructure. Yeah. Other companies are just starting from scratch, <clears throat> Faraday, sure. and sure. still nothing. <laughs> Pay your yeah. bills. I mean, yeah, Tesla's done it right. If you're gonna do it, they bought existing infrastructure and mm-hmm. started there, and then they can build their own factories. But to just throw down and say we're gonna build a factory and we're gonna do all this stuff, okay? We're the world yeah, well, is watching, well, and so it's far it's a giant, giant
0: hole to put your money. I mean. You know, if you're so. if you're a hoodie wearing billionaire though, we have a place for you to put your money. We and it's do. In the car companies.
1: Yeah, we do. We do. All right. So uh, go ahead with yours. End on yours.
0: Well, t- Tyler wrote in on Twitter. Thank you, Tyler. And you asked a would you rather question, which I, I we always love these. Would you rather Prius on the <laughs> ring or Viper in L.A. traffic? And I have to say, I have to say, I'm going Prius on the ring all day long. For two reasons. One, nothing, nothing in LA traffic is even marginally acceptable. LA traffic is getting worse and worse. It's shocking us every time we go there for shoots. Yeah, that's just an abysmal yeah. place to be. Also, some of the most fun driving I had in the mostly terrible Prius that we uh, turod when we were last in Los Angeles was when we went on the shoot for this Datsun 240Z, and I hooned it down a back oh, road that I right. happen to know. Yikes. I was leading the group. It was Prius up front, 240 in the middle, and Edgar in his gorgeous 2006 S2000 at the rear. And I knew that those guys, you can kind of see it in our Prius Diaries video, I knew that those guys would be quickly annoyed by me if I trundled along. Oh, yeah. So I be hooned that down Prius back. down that road. Yeah, I, I just I really hooned it. And the, on the problem with it, of course, there are many. But the main problem with it is the seats don't have support for that. So driving that Prius on the ring would probably destroy my back. But if I could get a decent seat, Prius on the ring. That would be a riot.
1: I'm with you. Anything on the ring, Tyler. Anything. I. How about <laughs> a bicycle? How about a go-kart? Anything on the ring because it's the ring. Yeah, no, yeah nothing in, in L.A. traffic. I don't care if you want to give me a Bugatti Chiron. No, thank you. Not in L.A. traffic. I just – and could we do a proper seat – And proper tires on the Prius. They don't have to be racing tires, but just something proper. Sure, sure, yeah. I wouldn't show the Prius love necessarily, but I'd tolerate it more.
0: But you and I would have fun when we got out of it, though. Heck yeah. We would get out of it with smiles on our faces and be like, "I, I can't believe I just did that." A Prius on the ring.
1: Has anybody ever driven a Prius on the ring? Surely, there's got to be some videos out there.
0: At, at Tristan Fartin out there, some at some point somebody has somebody done it. They just happened this. to have a Prius, and they were at the ring, and they drove it. You know what's happened, and it was probably a riot. But yeah, <laughs> somebody right was. now is looking for Ring videos, and I'm going to wave goodbye to you because once you look up anything about Ring videos on YouTube, there goes half your day. Yes,
1: so I'm going to wave exactly.
0: goodbye to you right now. We'll see you later.
1: <laughs> well, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching, guys. Please write to us with your own car debate on our website, Everyday Driver TV at Gmail as well. And in the meantime, cheers.